Converting leads, closing deals, and performing amongst the top salespeople in your industry require more than just talent and experience. Hear from the best as we discuss the proven formulas they use to generate new leads and close deals on the science of business development. Hi, my name is Jen Koffel. I'm the CEO of Engaging Speakers, and this is the Science of Business Development podcast. And I am excited I have my guest with me today, Louis Sharp. Louis Sharp is here, and I've known Louis now for about two years. So I remember meeting you at Granite City Restaurant in Schaumburg, Illinois. Yep. And we were both there for a meeting, a networking meeting for Engaging Speakers. And you were the speaker. And I learned uh, later that you didn't realize you were going to be the speaker until like a couple of days before, the day before. That's right. Yep, that's right. <laughs> so you were called in and I was really impressed with uh, your what you shared. Um, you talked about how if you're going to be invited to go speak, like really how to do, you know, how to be really effective and you're really making an impact with the, the audience by really interviewing and spending time interviewing the meeting planner. And I thought that was really uh, genius because I don't, I've ne- never heard anybody share the kind of details that you did about that, like really how you got into the practical details of what to say and, and really how to do that so that um, you, you could really do a, a really great job and be invited back because I know speaking is something that you love to do and you've done a lot of professional speaking, got paid to speak for many years now, and that's one of the secrets that you were teaching. So I loved that, and I know we then end up sitting together, and you know now we've built this incredible friendship. So I'm excited to introduce you to everybody. So you want to share a little bit about yourself and what you do as far as business and business development goes? Sure. I've uh, so I started my first business when I was 23, and I probably started sooner than that, right? Cutting grass and shoveling <laughs> right. snow and doing all that kind of stuff. But I really started officially, I think, at the age of 23, I started Sharp Auto Body. And then, uh, you know, over the years, I learned a bunch of stuff, and, and I started a couple other companies. I bought a company or two, sold a company or two, and I've just been really blessed to go kind of along this journey called business. Mm-hmm. But I was always, was always driven to be the person that could make the difference. You know what I mean? The person that could make a decision, and, and we were going to go with it and see where it led us. So I didn't realize you actually started start auto body at 23. Yeah, you were young. I was, but it was a funny thing because I had gotten I had gotten off of active duty in the Marines, mm-hmm. and um, then I I went to work in a body shop as an apprentice mm-hmm. after I got off active duty, and the the last couple people I worked for were both stone cold alcoholics. Wow. And and I thought you know there's got to be a better way than this. And so I, I started doing it nights and weekends, uh, and I rented, I rented, I love to tell this story, I rented a, a one-car garage with no heat, no running water for $100 a month, and that's where I, and I started with $500 in my toolbox. Nice. That's where I started Sharp Auto Body. Were you always, like, entrepreneurial-minded? Like, when you were in the Marine Corps, were you growing up, were you thinking I was going to start a business, or did you just, like, where did that decision moment come, do you remember? Yeah, it, it came from, so the, the breaking point was when this body shop owner stood up and said, I'd like to make, now this is, you got to remember this is 1981. He said, I'd like to make $50,000 more for me this year, but I can't afford to give anybody a raise. And in that meeting, and there was probably 12 or 14 people there, mm-hmm. I stood up immediately and said, I want my paycheck, I'm done. And I dropped jaws. The other employees like, what are you doing? 
I said, did you hear what he just said? He just told you loud and clear he wants us to, us to all work harder for him, and, he's, and there's nothing in it for us. Mm. No pay raises. We, we get nothing. He wants to take all the money. Mm. I don't want to play that game. That, that was the turning point for me. Has that moment shaped how you treat your employees? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, that's a great question, without a doubt, mm. without a doubt, because I, I was on the other side of that sharp stick. And I actually have um, Santiago, who's been with me for almost 20 years now, mm. who's obviously Hispanic. About three or four years into our relationship, he came to me, and he, and he, and he, he almost had tears in his eyes, and he, he said, I want to thank you. And I said, for what? And he said, this is the first place that I've ever worked where I felt like I was equal to everybody else. Mm. And at that point, he was already in his mid to late 30s. So it was, re it was really critical on how I treat my employees. Mm. That's awesome. What, it, what were some of, like, as you've built your businesses over the years, um, what would you say, like, currently are your businesses? Sharp Auto Body, yep. speaking. Yep, and, and, uh, and then gifted I... Gifted leader. And then the gifted leader, yeah. Okay. And... What were the turning points that you've experienced in those different businesses that really, for you, has made the biggest impact in the growth of those businesses? I, the, so the first one was hiring an employee. At some point, it, it, we were, I was growing to where I needed to hire somebody else to, mm -hmm. to help fix cars. And so I think hiring employees, I've learned over the years, is very powerful. I think people don't put enough value in it because I think that's really how you grow yourself and them. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you really want to do something big and have a big impact, you need, you need a team, mm -hmm. right? Anybody that's ever done anything great didn't do it by themselves. And one of the things that I realized is it's tough because when you hire those employees, you have to start learning the skill of letting go. Right, you can't be a micromanager. You you have mm -hmm. to hire people that you can trust, and then and then train them to do the job, and then trust that they're going to do the job. But that was huge. The the next one was at some point. Can I just comment on that real quick? Sure. I had someone share with me recently, and I thought this is spot on. That team is to time, what cash is to capital. That's deep. Like, if you really want to get more time back for your business, you really need to have a team. Like, team will provide time, right? Because just what you're saying, like, they can do, you know, activities in your business. And so as you think about growing a business and, like, the science of business development, we really do need to be thinking about duplicating ourselves, duplicating time, right? And, and that comes through people and, and hiring the right people and knowing. I've heard the term, too, um, as far as hiring, like, Hire slow and fire fast. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like really making sure you have the right team um, and the right team members. And uh, most recently, I think I shared with you an assessment that I took um, that really helped me with really being strategic about hiring team. Right. You know, and so interesting. So Louie and I both took this test. Um, it's called Wealth Dynamics. Hmm. And it is really a genius assessment, right? Like it has eight profiles as an entrepreneur and it's based on like what energizes you and what drains you in terms of energy. But then there's a system like one, two, one, two, three, in terms of identifying them, what are the key two team members that you need based on your profile. And so what I think is hysterical is that this test has 
like, I don't know, how many questions was it, like 30? Yeah, it was a fair amount. Yeah, 30-some questions. And we answered every single question <laughs> the same. Right. I may ask the people that developed the test, has this ever happened before that somebody had every single question the same? And I thought that was remarkable. We're both creators, right? And right. we both can be introvert, extrovert. And, and as creators, we love to create. But how important for creators, team is. I mean, super important because we love to create ideas. But, but team is critical for us in terms of really being able to expand and grow our business. I mean, it is for everybody, but especially for those that, you know, want to just keep creating. Because if you don't have team to, 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 to give the ideas to, you know. Right. It becomes a, a big mess. Yeah, and it's one of the things that I like to share with people is is a big a big step for me was the day I locked my toolbox and stopped fixing cars. Because at that point, mm. and, and what I've learned since then is anybody anybody that's in business is really good at two or three things and those two or three things you talk you call it the core genius, right? Yeah. And when you have those two or three things, that makes you the most money the fastest. And so when you're, you're sweeping the floor or you're answering the phone or, or responding to email and you're out of your core genius. And so I, I was a really good body man. But as it turns out, I was a much, I'm a much better businessman mm -hmm. slash salesperson slash the guy that interacts with people than I was a body man. But that, but that took a, a big step of courage to lock my toolbox and then mm -hmm. trust everybody to do, fix all the cars. Yeah. Right? And, but... But it had to, I wouldn't be where I'm at today had I not taken that step. Absolutely. And I think for solo entrepreneurs, you know, it's a big step to not be trying to wear all the hats and really like you're talking about trust other people and recognize that your team will do about 70% of what you do and they're going to make mistakes and mistakes means they're trying. And so just expect that that's part of the process. Well, and I, you know, that's, that's exactly right. And I read a great story of, uh, it was some sort of big bank banker, investment guy, right? He, he owned this company. And one of the junior executives screwed up and made a $5 million error. And so the company lost $5 million. And so a couple of the, the senior executives come into the boss, the, the CEO, and say, so are you firing this guy? And, and the CEO said, no. And, and the senior executives are, why not? He said, because I just spent $5 million training him. I'm not going to waste the five million, right? So, but it's a great point. Right. I, I, I often will let my, my employees go down that path, not, not, not to get hurt or cause damage or do anything, but let them learn because once they make that mistake, they learn it much deeper and, and, and it stays with them longer than if you try and show them everything. Because at that point, it's, now it's real world experience that they'll carry forward forever. Right. And to that point, it's, you know, hiring for attitude and for heart and because the skills you can teach, right? But if they care, I mean, because right. they go down that road, they make a mistake and they care enough, it's going to, right? because it, they do care. So yep. I think that is a critical piece. Okay, so the, so one turning point was deciding to hire a team. Yes. And then what, what's been another turning point in your business? Is that another like, turning point mm -hmm. was realizing that I didn't, I didn't know business. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I actually put myself in a course and the, the biggest thing that I got from this course was how to manage your money for a company. Mm. And so I set up a bunch of different checking accounts. And the thing that I got great clarity on is that I think a lot of people that own businesses, it's really muddy, right? So you shouldn't be commingling funds, right? So if you're running any sort of company, that should be separate accounts 
than your personal checking accounts right. or bank accounts. And then, and then the other piece of that is you should be really clear on what do you want to be making as a salary from that company and what do you want the company to be making in a thing called net profit, right? Mm -hmm. Because your salary is part of the expenses and after your salary comes out, there's a thing called net profit which is left after all the bills are paid and you should include you in that. Mm -hmm. A lot of business owners make the mistake of thinking, okay, if whatever's left over is going to be my salary. And, that, mm -hmm. and often they'll right. go out of business or they go hungry because what's left over is nothing. Yeah, there's a great book called Profit First. Have you read that? I not, and so it's funny. Not only have I read it, but it was the same principle that somebody, I was at the 19-year mark at mm -hmm. the body shop pulling my hair out, and somebody taught me that in this management course that I took. And they didn't call it profit first at the time, but it's exactly the same principle, right? You have all those accounts, and then every time a dollar comes into the business, you divide that dollar up, and it all goes into all those accounts. Mm -hmm. and, it's the, and it's really true because it's much like um, Dave Ramsey, Total Money Makeover, a lot of those books, they all say the same thing. Mm -hmm. Pay yourself first. Yeah. It's, it's the same with your business. You need to pay the business first before you start throwing money around. Right. And I think that's really important as far as that whole idea of, you know, we build a business to serve our lives. We don't, you know, give up right. your life to serve, serve your, your business, business, which right. is what a lot of entrepreneurs do. And I know you and I with Engaging Speakers, we work with a lot of solo entrepreneurs. I know you have a brick and mortar business, but then you also are a solo entrepreneur with a gifted leader and as a speaker. And those things that you just shared, those turning points, those are also applicable, obviously, to solo entrepreneurs, you know, the building of a team. Yeah, without a doubt, because in, in today's world, Oddly enough, even though the minimum wage keeps going up, you can hire labor now for less money than you've been able to for decades because you can go get it globally, right? Mm -hmm. My accountability partner is really good at it. He, he's the one that turned me on to Fiverr as an example, right? So you can go to these places and you can get this menial work done, whether you're a solo entrepreneur and ideally for mm -hmm. solo entrepreneurs, they can get a bunch of this menial work done that's keeping them away from their core genius by somebody for five, six, seven dollars an hour. They're helping somebody in someplace else in the world who would never have employment otherwise. And so it's it's easy to hire that labor. And this and the same thing, even if you're a solo entrepreneur, you should have those uh, you should know a number of what I call KPIs, right? Key performance indicators. Mm -hmm. But you should know what your goal is for your salary out of your business as well as profit because that profit is how you build, uh, I like to call it your own line of credit, right? And this year's been a great year, a great example of this. When COVID hit, a bunch of businesses went to nothing. Well, if you've been paying yourself this thing called profit, you've got your own line of credit. So when, this, when something happens like COVID, now you have a financial runway where you know you can go X amount of months without bringing in a penny. Mm -hmm. And it's very powerful. And it, it'll save your business because most businesses fail because of lack of capital. Right. So with engaging speakers, I know that's where we have a lot of commonality in terms of our desire for you know, what we want to do with our lives and the impact that we want to make. Um, how has Engaging Speakers impacted your business and, and your life in terms of what the work that we do together there? Boy, that's a big question. Um, I think that, first of all, first off, I think on a personal level, it's just been transformational in that it's nice to be in an environment 
where there's so many really good people, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I've never met anybody in engaging speakers that doesn't play full out from their heart. And so it's, it's been unbelievable that way. I think business-wise, I've been blessed because you, sometimes you don't know what you don't know, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and I, it's funny because I, when I think back of you and I meeting, and it was kind of like you, you and I were talking about Tony, you know, how you met Tony. Tony, by the way, is the famous handsome man behind the camera. <laughs> but you and Tony, it was just this random act of God, right? And I think, I think much that was how, what we were supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. We, we ended up sitting right next to each other the first time you show up and engaging speakers. And, I, and I'm the speaker that day. All those things could not have been planned by us. Right. And so I think that uh, it's just morphed into this thing where and you and I have talked about this, and this goes back to team and business, right? I think that I've run the meeting without you, and you've run the meeting without me, and we're both perfectly capable of it, and it works just fine. But it's not the same as when we're both in the room, mm-hmm. right? It's the, and it's the magic of the chemistry of what happens. And, and, and so I've become very aware of how, how many people really have the desire to grow their business and be better at speaking, and be better at what their core genius is, but don't have the first clue about how to go about it. Yeah. And, and I think it's a blessing to be in an environment where you can be so impactful and influential. For, and, and I love it because the majority of the people there are sponges. Right. right? They're super wanting to learn. And what we get to do together, you know, as far as teaching is, you know, really focusing on helping people with their 30-second introduction so that they can ditch that elevator pitch and, and have a, an introduction that people say, wow, that's super fun to do together. Right. That's fun, and, um, and it's, it's fun because we have people just get on a hot seat and come up in front of a room and, and share. And, and so then we get to, yeah, I know you do a lot of um, focus on like their delivery, you know, their use of their body language, their use of their voice, the use of the stage, even virtually we're doing that as well. And then also like their signature talk, we do hot seat coaching on that and have people come on and do you know, 20 minutes of their signature talk and then do coaching on their content and their delivery. It's super fun to do together. Um, what do you think is, when you think about that work that we do together as well as you know, just in general speaking as a business, because um, you get paid to speak uh, professionally, what have been some of the things mm-hmm. that you feel are most important skills to to have if you're going to use speaking as a marketing strategy to grow your business? I think there's a couple of them that jump out at me right off the bat, Jen. I think one of them, and you've heard me say this plenty of times, you have to practice, mm-hmm. right? It's not, I think, I think that one of the things, I tell people all the time, God put me here to stand in front of a room and speak, mm-hmm. just like he put Michael Jordan on the plant to play basketball. But Michael Jordan was great because he practiced right? And so I, I practice, I read, I, I study it. Yeah. To me, it's, it, and I'm passionate about it, right? Because I think that we should never squander an audience. Mm-hmm. We, should, we should be giving them their, our best. And, and I think that's the other thing, it, is that when you speak, it really has nothing to do with you. It's about them, right? What do, what do they need? What do they, you were talking about the, the day that we met, I was sharing this content, and, and I always ask, Who's going to be in the audience, right? Mm-hmm. What are their problems? What's the one thing, whoever's invited me in, what's the one thing that you want them to think, say, or do differently? B, 
because I was here. And that's why I've been invited back so many times after I've spoken someplace new is because I delivered what they wanted, what they needed, right. not what I thought they needed or what I wanted to deliver. And I think that's very powerful when, when you take the I out of it and say, you, what, what do you need? What can I deliver for you? And, and I think an engaging speaker's I've said this to you on a number of occasions in a number of different places, but I'll say it here publicly. I think you are a, a, one of the most amazing leaders because you, you come from that place of gratitude and, and thanksgiving, right? You're very grateful and you're very giving and you appreciate people. And I think that that becomes very powerful in an environment, regardless of what the team is trying to do or trying to develop or grow together. Thanks, Louis. You're welcome. And it does take team. I mean, I, we just did a big conference. It was so fun. We had we do an annual conference every year, and we've run the last two. I, I actually purchased Engaging Speakers in 2018. So shortly after you and I met, I was kind of there scoping out and deciding, you know, is this a, a company that I that I want to take on? And then that led into us doing that conference because that was something that was happening each year was an annual conference. And so I stepped into doing that. We did that together the last couple of years, and it is all about team, right? And it's really about, like, there's no way that what we have been able to do together would ever happen if it wasn't for all the people behind the scenes and all the team and all the people contributing. This conference was super fun for me because we got to have Jack Canfield, which you know is my like, yeah. bucket list. Um, I love, I mean, think, think talking about business development, I mean, for me personally, Jack Canfield has, his book, The Success Principles, has completely been for sure a foundational book for me in terms of the things I've learned, the principles I've learned in that book. I mean, I've read that book, I don't know how, I think at least 15, 20 times. I've coached it at least 15 times. So I think yeah. I've read it like 20 times. So much so I had to buy a second copy. So if anybody is listening and they haven't watched or, or read The Success Principles, I highly recommend that book. It's it's amazing. But we had him on. He was a great, such a great speaker. I mean, virtually in person, He's just practiced, polished, impactful, transparent, engaging. Right. I mean, everyone leaves with great content. And, and, and it's funny because I tell people the success principles was the book that changed my life. And then, and then I'm really clear to tell them it's not the book. It's the work I did based on what the book tells you to go do, right? Yeah. But I agree. And that's – and I think – Jack's a great example of what we were talking about, right? You know, I was blessed. I studied with him for about a year. Right. And I can tell you that that's where I learned if you want to be good, you have to practice. You have to continue to learn. You have to continue to expose yourself to new ideas, to new concepts, and try them out. I tell everybody, try it. Mm -hmm. Everything doesn't work for everybody, but at least try it. And if it works for you, you keep it. And if it doesn't work for you, then throw it away and go try something else. But I learned from Jack Canfield that he never quits honing his craft. I can tell you that when uh, the first time uh, I was in his program, it's, like I said, it's a year long, but he was, he was telling us, to your point of him being transparent, that he, he was putting his hands in his pockets. And he didn't like putting his hands in his pockets because he would jingle his keys or his change. Right. You know, it was very distracting. And I can tell you six months later when we got back together with him for the next live session, the week-long training, he wasn't putting his hands in his pockets. Now, that may not seem like a big deal, but it's those incremental changes mm -hmm. that, that take you from, from okay to good and from good to great and from great to awesome, right? It's just those little things all the time, over time, 
that make the difference. And, and I love any leader that, especially in business, I think it's critical, right? But if you're a leader in business, you have to be leading by example, right? You can't expect anybody to do anything if you're not doing it. And I love to tell people, people think, sometimes with the gifted leader, they think, well, you're a little arrogant. And it's not, and that might be true, but, but that's not the reason why I named it that because I ask, I'll ask an audience, who in the room's a leader? And most of the time, the majority of the people will raise their hand. And I said, if you haven't raised your hand, raise your hand. Because even if you're pumping gas, somebody's watching you. And if somebody's watching you, then you're a leader. And then the next question I ask is, how many of you have had a positive impact on somebody else's life? And the whole room puts their hand up. Well, that makes everybody a gifted leader. Mm, that's beautiful, yeah. It, it's the truth, right? Mm. We're all gifted leaders. It, it, and, and I love you because you really are about core genius, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's what... One of your special gifts is core genius and helping people find that. And I think that once people are in that, it's really easy to, live, to, to use yeah. your gifts to lead others. And that's where you have this. What I, I, one of my favorite words I've realized is exponential, mm. right? I like little growth, but if I can get exponential growth. Yes. I'll take exponential growth all day long over little steps. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, the, like your core genius, I talk about that and that what's at your core, that's what you were created for. And then your genius is what you've studied and become an expert in, and then mirroring those together. But I think that's often very hard for people to identify their gifts. You know, what is it that they do measurably better than others? And it's a gift. It, it is a gift, you know, that they were created with. And then they go and study and, you know, but they, they, they're not even attuned necessarily to it. And then once you, like what I get to experience is helping them to discover that, and identify what it is because it's already there. It's not like I have to create it. It's there. Right. It's just like pointing it out to them. And then I get three reactions either. And you've seen this happen, right? Right. They cry. They start to cry because finally someone has put words to what they couldn't really find the words for. And, or they start laughing because they're so excited. Like, yes, yes. That's, <laughs> they're just super excited about what, now that they can articulate what that is. Or they say, yes, yes. Like they just keep repeating yes. So those are the three reactions I get when we really tap into that. But it, to your point, it's like they really then are seeing and able to articulate, these are my gifts. This is what I do. And then everything else becomes super clear. You know, how do I go about building my business like around those gifts and, and using those gifts to serve the people I'm meant to serve and their messaging. You know, we hear people do the 30 second. To your point about practice, I mean, how many times do we have people <laughs> like say this, you know, they get chosen, you know, we do a drawing for people to come up and, you know, share their 30 second intro, whether it's virtually or in person, they, they, they randomly get chosen. But oftentimes, you know, they're, they're coming up and every time they come up, they say something different. It's never, right. it's never, it's never the same. I so, know her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so practice is a, is a huge piece of, you know, of, of that, but until they really get clear around their core genius and what it is, the problems that they are really meant to serve and, and solve and the results that they bring and it's centered on that, then they, they tend to have that challenge, right? They, they're not clear with their marketing message. They're not clear with their introduction. Their signature talk kind of falls flat because they're not emoting, you know, they're not speaking from that place of, you know, what they're meant to speak from. You know, I, I love to talk about 
The Voice or America's Got Talent. And, you know, when you watch the people that win those shows, who are they? They're not necessarily the most beautiful or the, you know, the most, um, they're not necessarily the most beautiful. They're not necessarily the most um, put together. Polished, you know, right. they could be missing teeth. They could be, <laughs> you know, uh, all kinds of things. But they're, but if they're standing in their truth and they're really e expressing their, you know, like their giftedness, it's so beautiful. I mean, it's so attractive and everybody votes for them because they're emoting their gifts, you know, they're, they're centered around that and it's powerful. I mean, and imagine taking that and bringing that into your business, like how much that can develop your business when you're really focused around that. So I love the marrying of the core genius and the gifted leader ideas because they really do go together. Without a doubt. And it leads us back to kind of where the conversation started, right? At that point, once you, you find that core genius and, and, you, and I, you like the word emote, I like, I like to spread it into emotion, but once you have that emotion, it's contagious, right? People can feel it. Even if they're not aware they're feeling it, they feel it. Mm -hmm. That's the power of it. And, and that's why you want to live in that and start hiring people, right? And getting all the mundane tasks off your plate because that's really where you get to be able to be of greater service to more people exponentially. Yes, <laughs> there's your word. All right, so I'm going to present you with something that I've heard a lot of people share that I think you have some advice for. You know, if you're wanting to go out and if somebody's a, a you know, gifted leader and they know they're core genius, they want to go out and speak to grow their business, but they're dealing with nerves and fears uh, around that and that's like keeping them from doing the work. What advice do you have when it comes to really being able to stand in front of a room and share your giftedness, your core genius, your talk, and, and not let nerves get to you? Yeah, large amounts of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, think, I think there's three things. I think the first one is, um, it's a simple breathing exercise, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you could call it meditation if you'd like, but simply breathe in through your nose for a count of four and out through your mouth for a count of eight. And at that point, just if your mind starts to wander, bring your awareness back into that, your breath. Uh, another thing that's very similar to that that I teach high school kids, I mentor FBLA mm -hmm. students, Future Business Leaders of America. I mentor them and they have to do presentations. One of the things I'll tell them is when you're standing outside the room before you're about to walk in to do your presentation, just start describing things around you. Mm -hmm. So the, the blind is white, you have blue jeans on, it's a purple top, you have a gold necklace, it's a blue carpet. Your mind can't think two things at the same time. So if you're busy describing what's around you, your brain isn't running away with itself thinking, oh my God, what if they don't like me? What if I forget my words? What if I the PowerPoint doesn't? You're not doing all that craziness. Mm. So that's the first one. Either bring your awareness to your breath or just start describing things around you. The next thing I like to share with people is the power of visualization. And you and I have talked about this before, but to simply visualize the entire event. And I've, when I've taught this to even high school kids, and this works for anybody of any age, just literally picture yourself and, and, and I learned this from Jack Canfield. And I've, I've stayed in like really fancy hotels knowing the next morning I'm going to speak in this big ballroom and there's going to be hundreds of people there. 
and the ballroom's locked. I usually, if I can get into the ballroom the night before, mm -hmm. I'll get in, so I, I've got the picture of the ballroom. But even without the picture of the ballroom, in my hotel room the night before, I picture the entire event. Mm -hmm. I picture what I'm gonna wear, that my suit and my tie, are per they look great, the colors look really good on me, that my hair's perfect, I've brushed my teeth, I've, I've done my morning routine, right? One of the things that Michael Phelps, the Olympic swimmer, who's won more gold medals than anybody, he has a three-hour routine before mm -hmm. he, he gets in a pool to swim. Well, I usually have about 30 minutes of the things that I do on a regular basis every morning. And that routine will help you too because your mind are, and your body are already starting to know this is where mm -hmm. we're headed and we've done this hundreds of times before. But the power and the ability to visualize the entire event going the way you want it to go I share with people, visualize the night before, right before you go to bed, because your subconscious mind will cook on it all night long. Mm -hmm. And then, and, if, and, and, and visualize who you want to be in front of the room. Do you want to be funny? Do you want to be sincere, inspirational, transparent? Whoever you want to be, just picture yourself being that. Mm -hmm. Imagine the words just flow out of your mouth. Everything goes exactly the way you want. And then the third thing is practice. You know, it's like anything else. We, we, when we all started riding a bike, we were shaky. Somebody was holding us. And sometimes we fell down. But we kept getting back up. And the more that you practice, and I've shared... When, and, and so it's interesting because I didn't realize that I had become a speaker to grow my business long before I had ever started to be a professional speaker. But I had been speaking to, like, driver's ed classes. I had been speaking to senior citizens groups, to Boy Scouts, to Girl Scouts. I was talking to all kinds of people about what to do about cars, accidents, the scene of an accident, all that kind of stuff. So speaking is a very, very powerful way to, to not only be known and get yourself out there, but also to grow your business. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Because even if you're not professionally trained, I wasn't professionally trained initially, but I just went out and started doing it. So at some point, you just got to, you know, what's the old saying, where the rubber meets the road? Right. At some point, you just, you just have to pull up your pants and say, okay, today I'm going to go speak and, right. and, and just go do it. But, but those, being in front of the room gives you that visibility, right? right. It gives you the credibility, gives you the authority because someone's, you know, allowing you to be in front of the room and speak. Right. Yeah, it's a, I, I found the same thing. Speaking is definitely the most powerful strategy I've ever used to grow business for marketing, mm -hmm. for generating leads, for making sales. It's a great way for people to know, like, and trust you. Yep. So one of the things I, I know you've been to, unfortunately, a lot of funerals this year. Yes, yes, and too one many. Of, <laughs> one of my favorite <laughs> tips is a lot of times, you know, people will share in a talk a story that can be emotional. And we teach, you know, of course, not to share your wounds, but share your scars. But sometimes, you know, you really... It's good to show emotion, right, as long as it's controlled. Um, but if you find yourself, um, this is one of my favorite ones, if you find yourself oh. not getting in control of your, uh, of your tears or you know, you're getting emotional, uh, one way to deal with that is to squeeze your butt cheeks. Yeah, you shared that with me. <laughs> I love that. I love that, uh, that tip because it, it actually really works. Um, and then the other thing that you and I both do, I know, is before we have a speaking engagement, I know we do this at conference. I know that we do this every time we have a meeting. We both like have our own prayer, prayer time, right? Like we either pray together or we, you know, we go in the bathroom and, you know, just uh, pray and ask the spirit to fill us and let us be of service, you know? And if, if we show up, I think that's like one of the best tips I can also share with people that are st struggling with the nerves. It's like, if you're struggling with the nerves, like the attention's on yourself, 
Right. You know, and like how you're physically feeling or like what judgment you might experience or is this going to go, you know, it's all I, 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 you know, and to your point, like even speaking is about, you know, the audience, it's about them. And so really just asking the spirit to fill you so that you can be of service to and be used, you know, by the people in the room and, and, and to the people in the room. So that's one of my favorite, uh, favorite yeah. tips. And I would agree with that. And one of the things, um, a dear friend of mine, Lori Stang, who's out in California, who's a mentor for me, she told me it's really getting out of the way, right? Mm-hmm. When you step back and let the Holy Spirit move through you, that's when the miracles happen. That's when you move the room. That's when, but, and, and to your point, it's not about me. It's about me just being the conduit to deliver whatever's supposed to come. I, I share with people, once you can get that present, I, I love telling the story. I do seminars, and uh, I was doing one of my one-day seminars, and for some reason, the story of my dad dying popped into my head. And I didn't, it was nowhere, nowhere in my PowerPoint, nowhere in my notes. It was, I had no plan to tell the story of my dad dying. But it came, and, and, I, and I realized that in the moment, it had come to me for her reason, right? And that's the spirit moving. And mm-hmm. so I told the story of my dad dying. And it's still one of the most painful things I've ever done in my life, even after 20 years in the Marines. And at the end of the day, I had three different people come up to me and say, this was an awesome day. That story about your dad dying changed my life. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's when we step back and get out of the way and let it be what it's supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. One of my favorite quotes was Mother Teresa. I'm the pencil in God's hand, mm-hmm. right? You write whatever you want to write, God. I'm just going to show up and be the pencil. Yeah, that's so good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so true. And, you know, um, Mother Teresa fought a lot of, like, challenges that the world you know, she, her heart was around, you know, really making an impact on a lot of the challenges that are going on in the world. And, and I know for our entrepreneurs and business owners, like business is really emotional. There's tons of challenges. There's tons of adversities. Um, I was wondering if you could share of a time, maybe in one of your businesses where you experienced some type of adversity, you know, in your professional work and how did you overcome it and what was it? Yeah. So that's, um, so I did 20 years in the Marines. I did four and a half years of active duty out of high school. And then uh, I went back in the reserves, which is one weekend a month and two weeks mm-hmm. a year. And I was a crew chief and door gunner on helicopters. And my squadron, my helicopter squadron, was activated for Desert Storm. So we had to pack it. So I had, in November, the 1st of November, my dad dies. The 1st of December, I'm leaving the state um, to go overseas for the next 14 months. And I... I left one of my employees with about $25,000 to run the business. I left my brother to run um, some property that I owned, apartments and that kind of stuff. And in that 14 months, it all pretty much went south with me not being around. And I came back to a business that um, was pretty much broke. Um, He had the employee. I had left it in 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 a place where the more he made, the more he was going to make, right? All he had to do was pay me rent. I really made it like it was his business. I gave him ownership plus the $25,000 seed money to run the thing. And I came back and he had run in. I, I remember my very first day back, I got, went to the post office to get my, my mail. And a longtime client is going into the post office and she just chews me up one side and down the other because we had just fixed her van and did such a horrible job and blah, 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 blah. And so I did probably $50,000 worth of work for free to, to mend fences on jobs. That, and then 
in, back in those days, um, I went to the bank and I borrowed $35,000 on my signature. And, and so I borrowed $35,000 and went back at it. And because it was still, to your point, it was my passion, it was my, it was my genius. And it, I don't think there is a business that doesn't do the work, right? And the work can be whatever you want to call it. But it, every business is a blessing to somebody that's helping somebody with a problem or an issue that they're having. And a body shop's no different. And so I just put my head down. And, and, and it's funny because I think once you do something, you know you can do it again, right? That's why, so like we were talking about with speaking, once you go get past the first time, you already know you can do it. Mm -hmm. So now go do it a second time. So I knew I'd started this thing from scratch to begin with. I knew I had it in me to go do it again. I, and, I, and I was blessed because at the time, I didn't get married the first time until I was 38. So this is around, I was 33, I think, I think at the time. So I just put my head down and went after it again. And, and, but it was that important. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, I can tell you at this point, it's almost like, I don't know that I could work for somebody per se in like a nine to five job. That's not who I was ever cut out to be. And so when, when you want it that bad, you do what you need to do to make it happen. Yeah. I like what you shared about, you know, how the, when you were going to the post office and the lady came and was upset and you recognized that there was a lot of things that were done poorly in your absence, um, but then you spent $50,000 making it right. I think that's a really important principle in business is when things don't go as you want them to go or things don't go quite like what the promises were are not fulfilled. Right. You know, to have the integrity to make it right, you know. Oh, I, so I, I tell people the measure of anybody is when, when the chips are down. Mm. And, so, and so it's easy to deliver and be a great business person when the expectations are met. How good you are at business is what you can do when the expectations are not met. Because that's when you really have the opportunity to change a client into somebody that's going to love you forever. I'm now on third and fourth generation families of fixing their cars because I don't say we're going to fix every car perfect the first time, but I guarantee we're going to make it right and we're going to make you happy and do what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, I know that the coronavirus and this pandemic has affected a lot of different businesses in a negative way. And a lot of people are struggling and going through adversity as a result of that. Some businesses are thriving and some are, are having to pivot um, and make adjustments. For those businesses that are, you know, experiencing an impact, a negative impact, you know, what advice would you have in, in terms of business development? Like, you know, okay, whatever they were doing and how they were doing it, you know, we went through this actually with engaging speakers, right? It's a right. live event business. <laughs> we right. had to, yeah. you know, our virtual, our conference this year, which we've, this was our 11th conference as a company. And this is the first year we've run it virtually, which um, we had to pivot and, and make changes. And we've had to make changes in our, how we're meeting and all kinds of things. And I know a lot of other companies are in business that are going through that. So what advice would you have for those that are in that place where, you know what, Things are different now, and I need to pivot. I need, and, it's, and the things I'm trying are not working. Um, what, what suggestions would you have, and what advice would you give? I think the first thing I would say is get in a room with other business owners as fast as possible, right? Because there's great knowledge. One of the things I've learned over the years is 
if you ask somebody from a place of real sincerity, hey, what do you know about or can you help me with or what would you suggest I do about, mm-hmm. people are going to answer. And, and they're, gonna, they're flattered that you ask them. But they're gonna, and they're going to give you the, their answer, their best that they know. And so my, that would be my first piece of advice. Get into a room and start asking other business owners, hey, if you were, the, if you were me and you were having these challenges and, and business was down and you were mm-hmm. starting to run out of cash, what would you do? Yeah. Because there's, there's a wealth of information that can be had for literally the time it takes to ask the question. The power of a mastermind. Right. Right. A, a mastermind's and, a great example. You know, being able to come together because you don't know what you don't know. And so, you know, having other business owners look at your business that may be looking from a different perspective and be able to shed ideas or, you know, because they may not be an idea person, right? Right. I mean, we talked earlier about that test, you know, like all the different profiles and you, know, you need to get around to others if you're not an idea person, you know, that, that do have ideas, right? That can give you some suggestions on different things to do. I love that. And I think it's true also. I totally want to echo what you just said about the more successful that you that you are. I, why I have experienced the same thing. People that are like extremely successful, people are not asking them questions because they, they think that they can't. You know, but it's people that they're they're if they're I found more than more in more cases than that that those individuals are super open to sharing because they want to give, you know, they want to share how they got where they are. But why do people, you know, that's kind of a trend I notice is that, and people will say that to me, you know, I I don't want to bother you. I know you're busy or, you know, this whole idea. And and I actually really love, I love coaching. You know, I love to coach. I love to share. So what is it? And, you know, I guess what, what encouragement can we give um, except to say that, you know, don't, you know, that whole, like, the, even the Jack Campbell, they, like, become, you know, ask, 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 you know, that well, whole principle. Well, uh, you know? And the other one, the, uh, the Jack Canfield I was going to say is reject rejection. Right. Right? That's Jen, another one. Jen, yeah. will you give me $1,000? No. Tony, will you <laughs> give me $1,000? No. If I keep asking him, somebody's going to say yes. Yeah. We went to a guy's house. He had five cars, and he wanted his cars detailed, and he didn't want to bring them to the shop. He wants to go to him. So I went out there with my detailer, made sure it was all going to be okay. Now, this guy's driving big-dollar cars, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about Cadillacs right. or Mer- even Mercedes, Lamborghinis, Bentleys. He, his wife's driving a brand-new Jaguar. But I get to talking to him, and he said that he was, his expertise was he goes into companies and turns them around. So I called him, and I said, uh, Bob, I'd like to take you to lunch. And he said, yeah, okay. So I take him to lunch, and, we, and now, uh, lunch, we end up, and, and I let him pick the restaurant, and we end up like in a little family-style diner, right? We're not in some big fancy restaurant. Right. Lunch cost me $25 and something, right? That was with the tip. But I brought my notebook, and I started asking him questions. And about halfway through the conversation, he said, you're serious about this, aren't you? I said, what? He said, I've never had anybody bring me to lunch and ask me all these questions about business and then take so many notes. He said, you're really serious about it. But it cost me lunch, right. right? And I can tell you, this guy goes into multi-million dollar corporations and turns them around. And I'm going to share with your audience the three things that he gave me that are powerful that I share with my employees and anybody that will listen. These are the three things he tells everybody when he goes into a company. Think like the client. Mm-hmm. Act like the owner. Take action. So if you've got your team and you tell them, okay, think like the client, what, what, 
what do we need to do with this process or mm. this thing so that the client gets the result that we want the client to have? Then act like the owner because you do own this thing. Right. You, right? People, even if you work for somebody else, you're running a business called you, right? And so if you're working in a cor corporation or a company and, and there's an end client, that's now your end client too. Because if that client's happy, then you still, your business still gets to run because your company pays you. And then take action. Because nothing happens until you move. Mm -hmm. Right? You can visualize, going back to that, you can visualize speaking till now until the day you die. Right. But until you get off your butt and go out in a room and speak, it's not going to happen. Right. It reminds me, we're at the conference. Um, the book, there was a book that was brought up about, um, interviewed like 21 billionaires. And there were four things that were shared that they all had in common. If you can help me remember, I know, and you just talk about success, like this guy turns around and these were the three things he said, and that, that book really stood out to me about interviewing 21 billionaires. Like, what are they? They all had these four things in common. Um, one was they all got up by 5.30 in the morning. Yeah, morning routine, yep. Every day. Um, and what were the other things that... I don't know. I'm drawing a blank now that are you put me on the spot. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were so powerful. But they were... But it was... It's like anything, though. They were very powerful, but they're not this, these big monumental things. It's the things that, like I was saying earlier, it's the little incremental things that you do over a period of time consistently, mm -hmm. right? You don't go run a marathon in a week, but a year from now, you could run a marathon. Right. Well, that's the same thing billionaires are doing. And, well, and one of those things is they're doing the one thing, yes. right? They're focusing on what's that one thing that's their core genius. I said two or three that they make the most money at, but they start their day and they focus all their attention and their energy on that one thing that's going to bring the most value to their company. Most people come in and, you know, the, the first thing they do when they get in is what? They turn on their computer and they open up their email. Mm -hmm. And then they wonder why they lost any momentum because an hour later they're still screwing around with their email, answering stuff or, or you know what I mean? Right. Replying back to people and their email isn't their core genius. It's just a part of what needs to be done to make things happen. Yeah. I think I remembered um, so up by 5.30, they were all hold that in common. They all exercised every single day without missing a day, like every single day. Yep. And they all meditated or prayed. Yep. Consist like the, they all did that every day. I know those were for sure three of them. And I can tell you, so this is the same thing with this, right? So we've been dropping golden nuggets for, what, almost an hour. Mm-hmm. If somebody listens to this and they haven't taken one thing and they're going to go do it, then why'd they bother listening to it? And I want to tell you that I walked the walk. So today is day 20. From the conference, mm. I have run every day. Nice. Every day. Rain, sleet, or snow, no matter how cold it's been, I have outside, I have run every day. Is that, is that, was that a commitment that you made um, from that the conference talk around yep. the idea of like exercising every single day and being yep. consistent. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, because I, you know, I love those events and I share this with the, like the FBLA kids. I asked the FBLA kids, what's the most important thing you've learned about life? Mm -hmm. You'll be amazed at the wisdom. Every, everybody has wisdom. You just have to ask the question, right? And mm -hmm. so when I go to an event like Engaging Speakers Conference, I, not only did I go, I always go to give, right? Whatever I can do to help and be of, of service and add value. But now I'm steeped in, and I was going to say this about when I said get in a room with business owners, right? One of the things I've been really blessed with you is we bounce ideas, and you have some great ideas and, th and, and things you've learned that I would have never thought of. 
and vice versa. But that's the power of being in a room like with the people engaging speakers. Because it's not just you and I. There's a bunch of people. All, everybody in that room has wisdom and knowledge about something. Absolutely. So what's next for you? What's next for Louie? Um, so I, I, um, I'm in the middle. As, on the way down here, I was in, uh, I'm, I'm dealing with some things. But there's a, a big transition coming. Um, and I, I'm going to be moving to the speaking, that world, full time. And then uh, I really, um, I've really started to put some, some steps in place because I want to build an organization that reaches around the world to help abused and sick children become healthy, loving, productive adults. Mm -hmm. And so I've started some things to get that into motion. So that's, those, are, those are big things that are on my plate. I love that. And I love that business allows us to do that. You know, when you develop your business, businesses and you get to a place where, you know, all your goals personally have been met for the most part, right? Like your needs that you have, like, it's like the, the next thing is how can you take your gifts and what you're created to do and like help others? You know, what could you do from a philanthropy standpoint, from a giving standpoint, from a making an impact in the world standpoint, which, um, you know, I, th I see that trend with entrepreneurs and business owners all over the world. You know, you, you, they get to a place where you're just like, what you're talking about, what's next for you? You know, it's like you want to you wanna reach out and help those that are, you know, needing help that you can help. And, you know, like people wouldn't necessarily know that that's a huge heartbeat of yours necessarily if you own a body shop and you're, you know, out speaking or, you know, that really your heart is you want to make an impact on helping, you know, kids that are sick or kids that are abused. And I just love that. And I love that, that that's what a business allows us to do. Yeah. And I think that, you know, people still have stigmas around being successful or making a lot of money. And I think that those are perfectly good things to have or want to do because you can have a bigger impact. I can tell you one of the things that I've done since the corona started was I've quadrupled the amount of money I've been given to the food pantry mm -hmm. because I knew there was a bunch of families that were going to be struck right off the bat and need food. And, and we take food for granted. Yeah. But you're right. Business gives us that, that opportunity to exponentially have a bigger impact. Yes, it does. And so I just want to personally thank you. Thank you so much for your commitment to you know, helping me run the conference every year with engaging speakers and to help facilitate all the meetings that we do and, and really helping entrepreneurs with their 30-second introduction, with their signature talk, and you truly are a gifted leader, and I'm really grateful for your partnership and your help, and super excited for others to be able to hear from you and, and learn from you as well, and you're so much great greatness that um, I know that you bring so many people, so thank you for all that you share with me and with our community, and also want to say if, you, if anyone is listening has any questions, please share those questions and just contact me using the form below. Again, my name is Jen Koffel. I'm the CEO of Engaging Speakers, and this is the Science of Business Development podcast.